Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. International News Review. We are going to talk about the Democrats. In U.S. politics, we had primary in New Hampshire this week, and some interesting results came out of that. They are, and I think the main message is that the Democrats are starting to panic. No surprise, that's what Democrats do. They, <laughs> they panic and they worry, and certainly after the election in 2016, they have a lot of reason uh, to do so. So a lot of interest as to what's happened. We've had two votes in two very small states. We now have some front runners in Pete Buttigieg and clearly Bernie Sanders. We've got Amy Klobuchar moving up. we got Joe Biden moving down. we got Mike Bloomberg getting ready to jump in at the beginning of March with Super Tuesday. So a lot of fun and excitement, but it's not over yet. It's not time to panic. Donald Trump has not gotten his second term quite yet. Yeah. You had a, a huge article in, uh, in the opinion page, uh, A23 of yesterday's paper, the Saturday paper. And in there, you, you were talking about the nightmare scenario. Yeah. Take us through that, uh, uh, what, what you had called the nightmare scenario in your piece yesterday about the presidential election uh, uh, process. You know, I wrote this one with, with my former Clinton colleague, uh, Thurgood Marshall Jr., and we were going back and forth on email because we see all this panic out there. There is a reason to be a little bit panicked. So give uh, us, what, what is the panic that's out there? The, the panic that's out there is the Democrats are not going to be able to come together oh. between now and the convention. And one of two things will happen. One, that the Democrats will nominate somebody unelectable, meaning Bernie Sanders, uh, against Donald Trump. Having a socialist at the top of your ticket is not a way to win. So that's one possibility in the nightmare scenario. The second nightmare scenario is that no one comes together to get the nomination. So Sanders stays Mm. strong on the left. The moderates, who are clearly favored over the liberals when you do the aggregate vote getting, the moderates being, you know, Buttigieg and Biden and Klobuchar, but nobody gets coalesced behind. And so you now go into a convention where the left and the center are fighting. You have three or four candidates all with a claim to get the nomination. And no matter what happens, the nominee comes out of the convention in Milwaukee in July, bruised and battered, and the party's at civil war, Mm. and we, as Democrats, lose to Trump. That's the thinking on the nightmare scenario. It's either Sanders or a battered nominee. Yeah. So you mentioned, you also talk about the the center shrinking, right? And this is, you know, for a long time, the, the Democratic Party has been pretty centrist until the last election cycle when it really swung hard left with the Bernie bros, especially in Elizabeth Warren on, the, on that left side. Where is that center going now? And, and in past discussions that we've had, you know, you have mentioned uh, pretty clearly that to win this election, the eventual candidate is going to have to be able to get that center and also those kind of swing voters around on the left and the right around the margins. Well, if you kind of think about the Democratic Party, it's almost split into four different categories. I think there's, you know, the highly educated, you know, postgraduate degrees who are globalist in nature, fiscally a little bit more conservative, but still Mm. socially liberal. That's a very small part of the party. Then you have minorities, and it could be African-Americans or Latinos, um, is another part. Then you have the youth, right, who have a, uh, uh, is, right. is a big part of the party. Um, and then you have blue-collar workers. And those four don't see eye-to-eye on a lot of different issues. Ah. And what's happened is we've had two 
once-in-a-generation talents come through that brought all four together, Bill Clinton in 92 and Barack Obama in 2008. Hillary was able to get the nomination as a moderate because of the goodwill the Clintons had built up over 25 years. Mm. Now, without an Obama or a Clinton running, those factions are all scattering, and it's very hard to find somebody to bring them together. The hope is that the, boy, I hate to use the word hatred, but the hatred for Donald <laughs> Trump by some people in the party or the extreme dislike, if you want to. The displeasure. Be a little bit, well, it's, it's <laughs> disgust, maybe. Uh, we, could use a, we could spend the rest of the podcast going over adjectives <laughs> of how Democrats feel about Donald Trump. Uh, but that, that dislike, disgust, displeasure will bring them together and unite around somebody who is electable. And that electable person right now, it could be Bloomberg, it could be Buttigieg, it could be Klobuchar. Maybe Biden comes back. I highly doubt that. That's the th- hope that Democrats have. And I think it's a valid hope to have right now. Yeah. The, you know, Bern- Bernie's going to go down swinging, right? He is not going to give up this one easy. And at this point, it seems that he is certainly one of the people to uh, be considered that would at least get the numbers to get that nomination. If he is nominated, is, is that just game over for the Democrats this election? Is there any possible way he could be elected by the Democratic base. Well, could he be be elected in the general election? I mean, he could get the Democratic nomination. I mean, that is a one of that. No, I mean the election. I'm I'm the general election. He can. And Donald now he's not the best candidate to do it. But Donald Trump is not nearly as strong as everybody thinks he is. Everybody says, oh, well, the economy is doing so well. When the economy is doing well, the incumbent president wins. But if you look at the polling numbers, If you ask Americans, are you optimistic about the economy? Is it doing well for you? It's about 60 percent like where the economy is. Mm. If you ask Americans, what do they think of Donald Trump? Do they approve of him? He's below 50 percent. There is a disconnect. And the disconnect is either that people don't think people who think the economy is doing well. They either don't think that it's because of Donald Trump or they say, you know what, I'm willing to take a little bit of a hit on the economy or a chance on the economy because I don't like what he's doing. I don't like what he's doing on immigration. I don't like what he's doing on women's rights. I don't like what he's doing for other minority rights. I don't like what he's doing on the climate. I don't like what he's doing uh, on multilateralism for any number of reasons. I don't like what he's doing, especially the most important on health care and taking away you know, pre-existing conditions as a uh, rationale for you not to get insurance. So it is possible that he is going to lose even with an economy doing well. Bernie Sanders is the worst candidate to make that happen. But even in head-to-head polling, Sanders is ahead of Trump right now. Not by much and not by as much as the moderates, but he is still ahead. Mm. Yeah, very interesting to, to see. Of course, we are putting the cart way before <laughs> the horse uh, with my asking you that question. But it is uh, it is interesting to to think about the, uh, you know, the 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 jockeying for position uh, a little bit earlier you had mentioned uh, before we got on air that that it would be really tough for Bloomberg to get the nomination from the Democrats being an independent and he's not within the establishment um, per se and that he has his own issues we are going to be seeing more of him I think in coming weeks for sure putting on more of a full court press even though he has had his bad issues, down issues with minorities, the stop and frisk, and uh, with, uh, with women. He has also, in recent years, been putting an awful lot of money into social causes, everything from gun control to um, women's rights uh, to choose uh, you know, pro-life, pro-abortion, whatever. He has an organization in place 
Um, let's put it that way. Does that not help him uh, at all going into even a contested nomination process with the Democrats as an independent? Oh, I can give you two billion reasons why Mike Bloomberg <laughs> has a good shot to get the nomination. Yeah. Uh, so it is the money. It's yeah. the organization that he has built. Uh, it is the positions he has taken on climate change mm. and on gun control. Mm. But he has never run for president before. And there is nothing like the scrutiny you get when you run for president. I don't care that he's run for mayor of New York. He doesn't have the investigative teams of the Washington Post and the L.A. Times and the New York Times going after him, let alone the opposition research the Mm. Republicans are going to throw at him. And you now see all the lawsuits, the lawsuits that have come out against him for for sexual harassment in an an unfair working place. You see statements he has made that have been— very negatively perceived against certainly African-Americans when it came to his stop and frisk policies, statements that he made not that long ago, well after he was mayor of New York. So he is going to have to weather that storm. He's going to have to be able to get enough delegates to be in the lead going into the convention. Mm. It is not a likely scenario, but it is a possible scenario. And it's only possible in 2020 because he is living rent free (laughs) in in Donald Trump's head right now, and Democrats love that. <laughs> Good point. Rent free. Okay, one last <laughs> thing. The St. Patrick's Day verdict, what is that? that You mentioned in your article yesterday in the Straits Times. Yeah, well, this is something Mike McCurry, uh, another former Clinton mm. colleague, came up with, so I have to give him credit. He said what we're going to see happen is that this is a long nomination process. You've got the first four states to vote in February. We're through two. We've got two more to go. Then we have Super Tuesday mm. on March 3rd, where 16 jurisdictions vote. Then, two weeks later, we have St. Patrick's Day, where we have another couple key states vote. After St. Patrick's Day, people are going to look at how the delegates have been uh, partitioned, who has won, who has lost, who has a good organization, and then we'll have a verdict from the party, who are we going to get behind? Are we going to get behind Sanders? Probably not. Are we going to get behind Bloomberg? Possible. Or is it going to be another moderate that we're all going to get behind as a party to go forward? So on St. Patrick's Day, the verdict will come out as to who the Democrats will coalesce behind to go into the nomination. Wow. Interesting, uh, interesting. A couple of months ahead of us uh, here, uh, as we look at the uh, the Democratic nomination process. Uh, Steve Oaken, senior advisor, McClarty Associates. Thanks again, once again, for coming on and uh, breaking it down for us. GBZ, today. always a pleasure. Have a great week. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.